What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is JC, back with another episode of JC's Fight Stance. I woke up this morning, and I feel like I do the best podcast when I have a spontaneous feeling to record something that's weighing heavily on my mind, and uh, looking through some MMA fighting articles this morning, uh, there was something that sparked my interest, and I said, you know what? I need to hop on the mic and I need to talk about this. But I'm going to talk about some few, uh, you know, a few things first. Um, we obviously have UFC Moscow coming up. Um, just some MMA thoughts that are on my mind. Talk a little personal stuff with you guys. Uh, it is one cloudy Friday morning here in Maryland. <laughs> we were supposed to get some of this hurricane coming through, and it looks like we're just getting a lot of cloudiness. But uh, if you guys are down there in the Carolina area. Make sure you stay safe. I'm not sure if the the hurricane has made landfall yet. I am not a Weather Channel watcher, but uh, just just stay safe if you're in that area. Uh, just to let you guys in on something that's been going on. So I have this room in my basement that myself and Flex have decided decided to turn into a full on podcast studio. Um. It's uh right now it's being used as kind of my sleeping dungeon is what that room is right now. I work uh midnight shift and to help me sleep during the day, this room has no windows and uh it's it's best for me to sleep in and I'm going to be on midnight shift until February. But uh once I get off this shift, we're going to turn this into a podcast studio and uh, I've been saving up uh, the last few months, I want to I want to purchase some equipment that will go in there and some furniture. Um, it's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna have a real nice uh, podcast desk in there with the most beautiful microphones money can buy and TV up on the wall with a uh, video camera in there. We're gonna move on to video, maybe do some fight companion style uh, podcasts for you guys. Um, it's going to be a good time, but I've been saving up for the equipment. I've been saving up for uh, an iMac to stick in there as well as a MacBook for myself. And uh, in the process of saving up, I ran into an issue. So every year for my birthday, my birthday is October 22nd. Every year for my birthday, I go to a Philadelphia Eagles game. Uh, away from MMA, I am a lifelong Philly sports fanatic and I go to an Eagles game every year for my birthday so this year I'm taking my son my son's eight years old he's not a huge football fan he doesn't really watch it at all but he likes to claim teams in different sports and he's kind of at it at an age where I want to get him into uh watching sports with me you know and in football somewhere along the line three years ago or so he started claiming that he was a Carolina Panthers fan so this year, October 21st, the day before my birthday, in Philadelphia, the Eagles just so happened to be playing the Carolina Panthers. And I said, this is my opportunity right here, man. This is my opportunity to not only, one, get my son interested in football and real sports. Um, you know, I had him doing jujitsu uh, about two years ago, trying to get him interested in that. Right now, he's real big into pro wrestling. Uh I'm not going to bash him, all right? I was I was a pro wrestling fan when I was a kid. When I was his age, I was a pro wrestling fan. But I want to slowly start that transition to the real sports. 
get him in MMA, get him in football, get him in basketball, all those things that I like. So I said, this is my opportunity, man. I'm going to get this boy uh, to go to this Eagles game. I'm going to get him a Carolina Panthers hoodie even, even though I don't give a damn about the Carolina Panthers. He says he likes the Panthers. He's going to go see the Panthers play my team, the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to get him a Panthers hoodie. By the end of the day, the Eagles are going to win. I'm going to convert him. I go online. I'm looking up tickets. Let me tell you, those tickets skyrocket when your team wins the Super Bowl. Good Lord. Just to get in the lower level is about $350 a ticket. So long story short, those tickets, <laughs> it's about 700 bucks for me and him to go, putting a big dent, a big dent in my saving for this podcast studio. That's an issue. But that's what I'm going through right now. So, uh, but yeah, we're trying to get this podcast studio up and running by uh, February, March, maybe April, sometime early uh, spring of 2019. We'll be moving to video. I think it's going to be a good time, especially these uh, fight companion style podcasts. That's what I'm excited for. We've got a little more room in there. We can bring in some guests, um, some of my friends who are uh, big time MMA fans. They are, uh, practitioners and, uh, it'll, it'll really be a good time. So stick around. There's big things in store for the fight stance podcast. And, uh, hope you guys keep on listening to us. Cause this is, this is a good time. Uh, want to talk a little bit about the UFC Moscow card. Uh, let me bring it up real quick. Uh, so the first thing I thought about with UFC Moscow is this is the UFC's first trip to uh to Russia. Um this was something big that uh we heard Khabib was pushing for. He wanted to get the UFC into Russia and a lot of people thought that Khabib would be on the first uh the first fight card in Russia. Um UFC decided to go a different route. Um, go with a smaller card, a fight pass card, and it's something that they do um, really to just see how well interest is generated for a new venue. Um, so originally it was supposed to be Alexi Olenek against Fabrizio Verdum. As you all know, Verdum was hit with a two-year suspension. Uh, what was that? Yesterday, the day before, sometime this week. Um, and before that came out, they replaced him with Mark Hunt. So you look at the heavyweight uh, main card, uh, main event, sorry. Um, you have Mark Hunt against Alexi Olenek. Between the two of them, you have about 85 years worth of life in that octagon. That's a lot of life in there. Some, they are two old men, okay? Um, how is this fight going to go? Well, Olenek's going to try to take down Mark Hunt, and he's going to have a hell of a time. And Mark Hunt is going to blast Alexi Olenek. I really don't see the fight going any other way. Uh, I'm not sure if it was his last fight, but Olenek does not look good when he gets hit in the face. He is uh, a bad bruiser. He gets cut really easy. He's going to be lumped up, and I don't see this going well for Alexi Olenek. I don't like the matchup, um, but hey, who am I? Uh, some other guys on the card, we've got... Old man Andre Arlovsky against Shamil 
gonna mess up that name. Abdur Rakimov. Uh, yeah, I definitely messed that up. Uh, we also have Jan Blahovic against Nikita Krylov. I'm a big fan of Nikita Krylov. Um, and Blahovic has looked well recently. That's gonna be the co-main. Um, Tiago Alves is on the card. He's getting up there. This is a uh, man. You look at Hunt, Olenek, Arlovsky, Alves. You've got some some years. You've got some years on this card. A lot of experience, a lot of damage, a lot of years. Um, one name to look out for is uh, Peter Jan. I believe I'm saying that name right. Peter Jan um, had a recent spectacular performance at which, uh, which card was that? That was uh, Cowboy versus Leon Edwards, that fight night. Uh, he had a first round TKO, uh, really kind of blast onto the scene. Some people knew of him from his ACB time. Um, but that is a name to look out for on this card is Peter Jan. Uh, does anything else really stick out to me? I can't say it does. You know, we, you think of names uh, in Russian fighting. You think of Khabib. You think of Zabit. You think of Artem Lobov. <laughs> you think of a you think of a, a few names, and uh, they didn't do their best to get this card uh, filled with talent i will say there is some there's talent i'm not going to say there's not talent but there's a reason why this is going to be on at 9 a.m eastern standard time on fight pass um personally i will probably not be watching this live uh i like i like the time it's a 9 a.m starts the prelims if you're on the east coast and 12 noon starts the main card it's perfect for a, a saturday is it Saturday or Sunday? The weigh-ins were early this morning, so it's going to be Saturday morning. Um, you know, it's it's perfect to, to start your Saturday like that. I'm just going to be busy, and I will catch the fights uh, steadily throughout the week. Um, that's all I got for this card. Um, something I want to talk about is a lot of a lot has come up this week in reference to uh, Dana White. Uh, Tyron Woodley, uh, how he has chose to promote Tyron Woodley, who is regarded as a top three welterweight of all time, along with GSP and Matt Hughes. Um, and what is what is Dana White's role as a promoter? Well, what does promote mean? So promote means you you try to build something up bigger than what it is. Even, you know, you're trying to sell a product, you're trying to promote it. So that is Dana White's job with events, with fighters, so on and so forth. His job is to give you a product and make it sound like it's the best thing since sliced bread. Something I saw this week, and uh, I don't like to talk about other people's podcasts too much, um, especially the big ones, but I do watch a lot of them. Uh, and yes, I did say watch. I usually watch them on YouTube. <laughs> That's a topic I've had with Flex. He, he mainly listens to them. 
but uh, I was watching the Below the Belt pro- podcast with uh, Brennan Schaub, and he said that Dana White is painting the picture that Tyron Woodley is a boring fighter. And I kind of disagreed with that, and I want to talk about that a little bit. I will not say that Dana White is painting the picture of him being a boring fighter. Um, that notion kind of comes from Dana White's post-fight interviews uh, after Tyron Woodley fought against Damian Maya. He had a lot of bad things to say about the fight, about Tyron Woodley being a boring fighter, about there being the least strikes thrown in a title fight ever. And uh, that scene is painting the picture that Tyron is a boring fighter. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case because if anybody watched that fight live, you heard the crowd booing. The crowd didn't know what Dana White was thinking about that fight. That was the crowd's genuine opinion of what they were watching. They were booing because they were bored. It was a boring fight. If you went on social media after the fight, you got that same reaction. A lot of people said that was a boring fucking fight. They had not heard what Dana White's opinion was uh, before they gave their own opinion. So I don't think that Dana White is necessarily painting the picture. He's reiterating what the common fan, uh, the casual fan, the common fan, and even the diehards most of the time have thought about the fights that Tyron Woodley has put on in the recent past. So for him to say that he was painting the picture, I don't exactly agree with that. But what Dana White's role should be is to take Tyron Woodley and to change that negative opinion of Tyron Woodley. If there's an opinion that Tyron Woodley is boring, if he's being booed, if he is being, uh, being, uh, you know, shamed on social media. Um, Dana White should be taking those negative comments and trying to change the opinion of how people see Woodley. That's what he should be doing. Um, he's got to realize this is his product. Tyron Woodley's his champion. He's one of the best welterweights of all time. And he has to find an audience that Tyron Woodley appeals to. You take Tyron Woodley, he is... Uh, from Ferguson, Missouri. We saw him come out with his fist raised. Uh, Glory by John Legend and Common was playing as he was walking to the, the octagon. That is a demographic right there that he can appeal to. You know, the social activist demographic. Whatever your political opinions are, that's not what we're getting into. But that demographic. The inner city african-american demographic the hip-hop community these type of things are areas that tyron woodley could appeal to and that damon uh dana white should be trying to sell his name to instead of discrediting him and hoping that he loses and trying to build up his opponents there are avenues to sell this product until it's no longer hot okay so Dana White's role as a promoter, while I don't think that he's painting the picture necessarily, his his role should be to paint a new picture. Something that was also brought up on the Brendan Shaw podcast was that Tyron Woodley was under a ton of pressure under that in that fight. 
uh, against Darren Till. And that pressure was coming from the UFC. And that is, even though he has had a tremendous amount of success, he's defended his belt several times now. If he were to lose that fight, Tyron Woodley will never get another opportunity to fight for the welterweight belt. Ever. His time is done. And that I agree with. For anybody listening out there, do you think that Tyron Woodley can lose his belt and Dana will give him another opportunity to win it? Whether it's, had he lost to Till, do you think he would have got a rematch against Till? Uh, if Covington comes along and beats him, do you think he's getting a rematch against Covington? Not even a rematch. Do you think that Woodley can go and win his next two or three fights and then be the name that is going to be brought up to fight for the belt again? I don't think so. I, th- I think that's a, a valid point. And what popped into my mind, and I'm also going to pull up some texts that I received from Flex last night. Uh, let's go back a little bit. So I got a text last night, and he, he, this is from Flex. He says, do you think Stipe is so uninteresting that if requested the UFC would consider releasing him. And it kind of brought me back to the point of Tyron Woodley. You know, not, he's not going to get another uh, championship opportunity if he loses the belt. Uh, Stipe may already be in that position. What kind of hurdles does Stipe have to climb through in order for him to get another shot at the belt, you have the John Jones uh, rumors of going to heavyweight. You have Brock Lesnar, who the UFC is waiting on. You have Curtis Blades, who is waiting in the wings. You have Derek Lewis. You have Volkov. These are all names that I think, despite what Stipe may do, he may go out there and just wreck shop. But these are all names that I think the UFC will consider giving a title shot before Stipe gets another chance at a title because they don't feel that he's interesting. They don't feel that he sells himself enough. They don't feel that he sells enough pay-per-views, so on and so forth. And they're going to explore these other avenues before they give Stipe another chance. And I said, you know what? If I was Stipe, I said, and the timing was right because I know this whole heavyweight Grand Prix in Bellator is now in the second round. But had the timing been right, and I was Stipe, I would have went to Bellator. I would have slapped some first responder sponsorship ads on my shorts, made bank, wrecked shop in that heavyweight tournament, and had Scott Coker praising my name and selling my name as the best heavyweight on the planet. And the best heavyweight on the planet is fighting for Bellator. That's what I would have done if I was Stipe because the treatment that he's going to get from the UFC is not going to be pretty. He's not going to get that championship opportunity. And to answer uh, Flex's question, do I think that if Stipe requested the UFC to release him, would they do so? I think so because if you remember before his last fight against DC, Stipe took a lot of time off and that time off was related to some contract negotiations. He didn't think that he was being paid, being compensated correct, correctly 
for uh, what his fame should bring him, what that title should bring him. And the UFC reworked his deal and gave him more money and made him happy. And now that he doesn't hold a belt, and now that he's not going to sell fights for them, now he's going to be considered overpaid. So would they cut him? They're not going to cut him. But if he asks for his release or if his contract runs out, you know, Stipe might move on to, uh, I don't know if I want to say bigger things, but maybe better things. Um, which makes me move on to the next topic that made me want to record this podcast in the first place this morning. So I was browsing on MMAfighting.com uh, this morning. And I came across an article about Jeff Neal. Now, if you guys watched UFC 228, Jeff Neal fought on the prelims. Uh, he fought against Camacho. And he had arguably the best finish of the entire card. He hit Camacho with a uh, a leg kick to the head. Um, sorry, head kick. And put that man to sleep. And in my opinion, and I'm sure a lot of you guys share this opinion, that finish should have earned a bonus, a performance bonus. The two performance bonuses, well, you had the fight of the night, which was uh, Aldana and I can't remember, Pubalov, something like that. I, I destroyed her name just now. But uh, the two females who fought on the fight pass uh, prelims, they got the fight of the night bonus. They deserved it. Uh, the performance of the night bonuses went to Andrade and Tyron Woodley. Now, Andrade definitely deserved her her 50K bonus. No doubt about it. That was a screaming knockout. It's possibly the best knockout Maybe the best finish that I've ever seen in the strawweight division. You just don't see that from the smaller females. Sometimes you get it from a 135-pound female, usually by a leg kick, though. Or, I'm sorry, a head kick. Um, not usually the overhand right that we saw from Andrade. So she definitely deserved her bonus. Tyron Woodley, while he had a magnificent performance, and on any other card, it probably would get a bonus. But you compare Tyron Woodley's finish with his Darce choke to what Jeff Neal did, and it's not in the same stratosphere. So Jeff Neal really got gypped out of some money. And the article that I read said that Jeff Neal actually works as a waiter in Dallas. He's a full-time waiter, punching the clock, receiving tips, waiter. In what other professional sport can you guys name that is as big as the UFC that has a TV deal that was sold for over $4 billion and is now, according to Dana White, we don't know if this is true, but with this new TV deal, might be over $7 billion. Uh, they are on commercials, Modelo, uh, Metro PCS. All these things, they're, they're, they're famous in their own right. What 
professional sport can you name that is as popular as the UFC? Do you know where the professional athletes that perform for that organization have to work a full-time job away from that sport? I'll wait. Where can you name that? The, the amount of time that these guys have to put into a training camp. Apparently, Jeff Neal is going from his full-time job, closing the restaurant somewhere around midnight, going home, getting some sleep, waking up, training, going back to work. What sport can you name that's like that? Name me a professional basketball player, football player, baseball player, boxer, golfer, tennis player, anything. Name me one that has to work another full-time job to support himself, to pay for his training, to pay for his coaches, to pay for his manager, to pay for everything that is out there, to get on TV and perform as a professional athlete. Name me another sport. You can't do it. And it's just a... I I know that MMA is a... It's still a new sport. It's been around for 25 years. It's still evolving. Uh, Compared to other sports, it is a baby. It is still in its infancy. But they're making money now, okay? I went back and looked at what... I couldn't find what Jeff Neal uh, made for this fight. I don't know if it's been released yet. If it has, uh, leave it in the comments for me because I'm interested. So I went back and looked at his last fight, which was on the uh, UFC Austin, which was Cowboy Cerrone against Yancey Medeiros. I went back to see what he made for that fight. He made 10K to show, 10K to win, and 3500 bucks from Reebok. So he was only guaranteed to make that night $13,500. After taxes, paying your manager, paying your trainer, paying everybody, it's nothing. It's nothing. He ended up with a, a 10K win bonus. So I'm assuming that his contract for this fight was similar. 10K to show, 10K to win. And I did see that from Reebok. That's what he received. 3500 bucks from Reebok for UFC 228. Excuse me. What other sport? What other sport, guys? That $50,000 was over twice what he probably walked away with that night. $50,000. That's that's huge. That's huge. And apparently he's right back to working at this restaurant. You know, we've seen we've seen some guys that have had to pull full-time jobs um in the UFC to make ends meet. But in 2018, a lot of a lot of those guys that we've seen were I don't know, 2005, 2010. This is 2018. The sport has evolved. It's come a long way. Just signed a huge deal with ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. Disney owned. Huge deal. Bigger than the Fox deal. Sold for $4.2 billion. The company did. Why are the fighters getting a guaranteed $10,000? It brings me back what what got me if if you got lost in translation i said that stipe would be in bellator with some first responder sponsorship logos on his shorts 
why can't the UFC fighters have some type of sponsorship money to help offset the money that they're not getting from the UFC? We go back, I go back to the PFL. What the PFL did is they have uniformed shorts like uh, the UFC has. So solid color, says PFL on it. I like it. It's clean. But they're allowed to have two sponsorship logos on their shorts of their choice. One on the back, one on the front. Why can't the UFC do something similar? They can't have the banners anymore. Remember the fight banners that they used to hold up behind the fighter during the introductions. They can't have those anymore. They can't have the logos on their shorts. They can't hold whatever drink product in their hand they want during their octagon interview. They can't do any of that. They're losing out thousands of dollars. And you have guys like Jeff Neal fighting for a guaranteed $10,000. If that guy fights four times a year, say he fights every three months, he fights four times a year, he's only guaranteed $40,000 plus whatever he gets from Reebok, chump change. $40,000 for an entire year. He's a professional athlete in a multi-billion dollar business making $40,000 a year guaranteed before taxes, before paying all his people off. It's sad, man. It's sad. I shouldn't go to my local cheesecake factory and tip the guy that I just saw get a head kick knockout on Fox Sports. It shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen, guys. Um, that's all I have to say. Hope you guys gave it a listen. I like these these spontaneous podcasts. You know, they... They bring a little more emotion out of me. So uh, trying trying to do one a week for you guys. Like I said, I'm working midnights. I usually work six days a week. Um, you know, I've got an eight-year-old running around. i got a pregnant wife in the house. i got uh, full-time school. i got all this stuff going on, and I'm, I'm trying to make time for you guys and uh, really get my thoughts out there. So I hope you guys listened, and uh, I'll try to get one out to you next week for uh, UFC not sure the official name of it, but the uh, UFC Brazil card, the Tiago Santos, Jimmy Manawa should be a banger. Looking forward to that. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Thanks.